All right, welcome to the Wednesday show. Getting you over the hump on Fantasy Baseball today. Scott White is here. Tyler Glass now, more like Tyler Glass. Wow, am I right? That's right. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I was a little worried because I thought I looked at his schedule and I thought that his next two starts after this week were going to be against Boston. But I think only one of them will be. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't add him anyway, but that kind of took a little bit of the, of the uh, shine off. But I think only one will be. Uh, he had a great start against the Baltimore Orioles. Jamison Tyone threw a complete game at Coors Field. But was it a good start? I'll let Scott tell you about that. Uh, we got a soundbite of the day. We got an email of the day. We got a lot of your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. It's just me and Scott today. Scott, you uh, you didn't pick up Tyler Glass now in our podcast league. I picked him up in three leagues last night after four innings of one-run ball with no walks and nine strikeouts. And that brings it up to 14 walk. I mean, 14 strikeouts versus one walk in seven innings as a Tampa Bay Ray. Uh, I hoped they would be able to write whatever was wrong with him, but I did not expect it to be immediate. And we still don't know. Right. I mean, this right. was against the Orioles, who is basically like a triple-A lineup right now. Uh, but regardless, from that first appearance to the second, I've gone from intrigued to excited. And I think he needs to be picked up. I mean, maybe it goes wrong from here. Maybe he goes to walking everybody in sight, even though he's thrown like 70% of his pitches for strikes in these first two starts. Uh, I don't know that he's usable, at least in a points league context, text until we see him go five innings. But it seems like he's on the path to doing that. And, you know, if the walks, if he starts walking everybody in sight and again, you just drop him. I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that just because you don't feel like you can start him yet doesn't mean you shouldn't be excited and doesn't mean you should be moving to pick him. You shouldn't be moving to pick him up. Well, Glasnow should get the Blue Jays on the road this weekend, and I, and I plan on starting him in the league uh, that I just. Oh, I gotta look for him in, in my Yahoo league. I forgot about that league. It's also a daily league. Um, I, I plan on starting him there, and he threw 61 pitches yesterday, 13 swinging strikes on 61 pitches, and for the year, 86 strikeouts and 63 innings in a categories or a roto league. You pretty much know you're going to get strikeouts from Glass now. Let's just hope we get uh, we get the rest, and maybe he gets up to five innings. He went three innings against the Angels, four innings against the Orioles. We know they want to stretch him out. Um, but next week is at Boston, and I don't think no matter how well he does at Toronto, I'll be starting him there. But we'll go forward after that with Glass now. So uh, I dropped Sonny Gray. I mean, that was an easy one. Um, yeah. You picked up Joe Musgrove who you, you put in a claim for him a few days ago, and then you sort of forgot to check, but, you know, because Glass now was available. Who would you rather have, Musgrove or Glass now? I would rather have Glass now. I don't think I had the waiver priority looking at how these processed. Uh, well, your your claim was first, so I kind of feel like you did. Uh, well, it was the second guy I claimed yesterday, so it couldn't have been first. You got your first two guys were Musgrove and McCullers. Yeah, I had McCullers as the higher priority, and I would have picked up McCullers over Glass now. But regardless, I, yeah, I'd rather have Glass now than Musgrove because okay. even though Musgrove has been pitching deep into games, there have been a lack of strikeouts that's concerning. And uh, 
I'll roll the dice at upside of glass now at this point. There's, there is plenty of upside to be had there. And if these first two starts are any indication, I mean, the thing is, like, I know it, it hasn't been a starter's workload, but he was working in relief for the Pirates before this trade. So it's not like he was going beyond three or four innings at a time then. It was rarely getting that many. And he was still walking more than a batter every other inning. So it, it's not like, it's not like as he gets deeper into games that risk of walks is going to become greater, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it seems like something's different here. Scott, did uh, Jamison Tyone have a good start last night? A complete game, two runs allowed at Colorado, but only three strikeouts. Yeah, you know, I'm not the Jamison Tyone fan here. His last three starts now, he has 10 strikeouts in just 22 and two-thirds innings. It's not like there's a lot of swinging strikes we could point to to say that's kind of fluky. I mean, pretty much all season, the strikeouts and swinging strikes have both been just kind of middle of the road. I mean, he's fine. He's he's fine as like your fourth starter in a 12-team mixed league. But I don't think he's must start, and I don't think he's having some kind of Big breakthrough. All right. Well, Chris Towers bowed out of today's show. Otherwise, we'd have a nice little debate here. Any other, of course. Any other standouts for you um, from Tuesday? I mean, Glasnow was, of course, the biggest one. I'm still kind of interested in Tyler White. He's only 1% owned. Yeah. But he had a home run and a triple yesterday. Figure he's probably going to see more playing time with as many injuries as they have. It seems like they're only playing at the first base, and that means... When he plays, Yuli Gurriel has to play second. So that's kind of a defensive uh, defensive predicament there. But if he does end up playing every day, I'm still kind of interested in him. He walks a lot, obviously has the power of a corner infielder. So he's on my short list, even though you don't feel like you can add him yet in standard mixed leagues. CC Zabathia, that was a crazy start. Yeah, well, uh, so Tyler White uh, was the first guy Scott talked about. 1% owned Astros first baseman with a 905 OPS. Uh, Sabathia has five straight non-quality starts. He cannot get to six innings. He hasn't been pitching very well. He struck out 12 White Sox yesterday. They strike out more than any team in baseball. <laughs> and actually, I was wondering... With this Sabathia start, and I, like personally, I'm fine dropping him. I st- I picked him up and I started him yesterday. I might start him against Texas this weekend in a categories league, depending on what I need. But I know he's he's typically going to kill my strikeouts. Um, I does this does this start? And you deserve to talk about this guy. Does this start from Sabathia take some of the shine off of Lance Lynn, who had a great start on Monday at the White Sox? That's a fair. Fair question to ask. I mean, this was far and away Sabathia's most overpowering start this year. 12 strikeouts, 22 swing, swinging strikes, both season highs. Uh, I mean, there is, I, I would, I, I feel like there's more, uh, potential to be reached for Lynn. Like he hasn't come as close to his ceiling this season. Then we could say for Sabathia. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess it's not really so much comparing the two because I understand why you take Lynn, but mm-hmm. does this put Lynn's start yesterday in perspective? I think it probably has to a little bit. It's fair to wonder if it was, you know, it's it's it kind of like with Glass now. It's 
it's a two appearance stretch for the Yankees. I, I know one was relief appearance, but it was like four to third inning. So basically a start for Len where he's looked like he's overcome the problem he had with the twins, which was walks. Uh, but it like Louis Glass now, it's not long enough to say that conclusively. It's just encouraging to see. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I wish it wasn't against the White Sox for Lynn. I wish it wasn't against the Orioles for Glass now, but there's enough reason for optimism there that uh, you pick them up and especially Glass now, you pick them up and you hope that when they get some tougher matchups, it keeps going. Alrighty. Well, Scott, you missed, uh, you missed something yesterday on the show that people seem to get a kick out of. It happened at about the 55 minute mark. So if you missed it, I'll let you know what you missed. Here's our email of the day from Joel in Amesbury, Mass. I am a father of a two-year-old and a four-year-old. It's pretty close to Scott White. What are you, a three-year-old and a one-year-old? Scott? Yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, noticing how hard it is to come back to full-time work from paternity leave in a sleep-deprived state. I pay attention to athletes who come off paternity <laughs> leave. I found their performance suffers in the weeks after their bundle of joy is born. One example off the top of my head is Chris Stratton from this season. His start right back from the paternity, paternity leave was particularly dreadful. I think I'd like to call this phenomenon the Aaron Hank phenomenon. So what is the Aaron Hank phenomenon? Well, if you missed it from yesterday, it was one of the, a very funny moment, I think. I'll, I'll just, I'll play the clip. Pardon the, um, diminished audio quality. This is from yesterday's show around the 55 minute mark. Next up from Matt. Dear Paul, Rogers, Sorkin, and Hank. Aaron's? Aaron's, yeah. Who's Aaron Hank? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know know that we were right about that. What? Are you, you're serious right now? Oh, Hank Aaron! (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Oh my god. I played my baby. No sleep. That's incredible. Yeah, that was legit. I was like, who's Aaron Hank? I had. I just didn't get it, Scott. So that's uh, that's the paternity. <laughs> it's syndrome. one of those last last names is a first name situation. Yeah. Well, he gave four four people named Aaron, but they were all yeah. like first name Aaron, and then he goes Hank Aaron, and yeah, threw me off. Threw me off. Oh, so I hope everybody enjoyed that. I certainly did. News and notes: Chris Sale is going to come off the DL on Sunday. Marcus Stroman had a uh, you know good start against the Red Sox, and he left with a blister. He's optimistic about making his next start, but said Stroman said he's been dealing with the blister for a while. Scott, uh, the Marlins removed Kyle Bearclaw from the closers role. Steckenrider, Conley, Javi Guerra, they could all see save chances. I believe Mattingly said Javi Guerra used to close for him in Los Angeles. Um, but what do you, what is your take on the Marlins uh, closer situation? I can't believe he'd go with Javi Guerra. If he did, it wouldn't be for long. Guy has an ERA near six. Uh, Drew Stegenreiter is the one I'm interested in here. He has a 307 FIP on the year, 10.1 strikeouts per nine innings. Obviously, has been doing it all year, so it's not like a small sample size situation. And I think he could be good. I think he could be. I, I think there's a reasonable question to be made, even if we just write this off as a slump for Bear Claw. Uh, that Steckenrider might be a better pitcher. All right, and Shohei Otani is going to throw a bullpen session, so he's progressing. We talked about him yesterday. None of us really seem too optimistic that 
look, the clock's kind of running out. They're out of contention that Otani's going to be much of a pitching contributor. Uh, it's almost a bad thing, Scott, because he's hitting well now, and he has five steals, Shohei Otani. Like, I kind of want him to just stick as a hitter. Well, uh, I I can kind of understand that. If you look at the week-by-week point breakdown, though, this this week, or I guess it was last week, he only has basically one good week as a hitter. Uh, so I don't know if it's... I think he's playing more now, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he 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 is, but it still hasn't translated into a lot of fantasy production. So it's not like it. I own him in one league, and I haven't been starting him. I think you. I think it's more like, like you're in a daily league. You start him when he's in there, because I agree. Yeah, I mean, weekly head to head points. I mean, that's league, the same great. way it was when he was pitching. You know. Uh, yeah, but now more, and and I think when he was pitching, he wasn't running. I'm not sure if those two coincide, but I could see them coinciding. I, I would think that Otani be less likely to run if he's also pitching. But, you know, five steals in limited at-bats, that's actually pretty good. Josh Donaldson could begin sprinting soon. I don't know if you saw Felix Hernandez strike out Adrian Beltre on a 78-mile-per-hour curveball, but they both shared a, a hearty laugh on the mound for Felix and in the batter's box for Beltre. It was pretty cool. Uh, bad news though, Chris Bryant still has not swung a bat, so he doesn't appear all that close to returning. Nick Chopiano is on the DL. Max Freed is on the DL, so the Braves back to five-man rotation? I would think so. I mean, Colby Allard relieved Max Freed in that game and just got crushed. 20-year-old, I mean, I don't, doesn't seem like he's ready, so uh, I don't think he'd just assume Freed's spot. Uh, I do want to mention Otani's already up to 15 and a half points this week after scoring 21 and a half last week. So there you go. And he had 18 and a half the week before, which isn't bad. That's good. So a, a decent three week stretch here. Yeah. Uh, right. But still not like a huge week. Maybe this week ends up being the first two week week. We'll see. Brandon Belt could be back next week. Ben Zobris left with a hip injury, but he expects to play today. Brandon Drury broke his hand. Rafael Devers is going to be come off the de- uh, is going to be coming off the DL today. Rafael Devers, Zach Davies could be back soon. Minnesota starting pitcher Adalberto Mejia left with a wrist strain. He is in the notes. He's been pitching well, at least in ERA. Will Myers could be back when first eligible. Max Muncie sat, and David Dahl started with Charlie Blackman back. So we have some Dahl questions later. We talked a lot about him yesterday. It's getting a little worrisome. It's sad again. Um, and your emails are at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Scott, here are some random achievements. You can give a 10-second reaction to each. Up to 10 seconds. That is your limit. Bartolo Colon became the winningest pitcher born in Latin America in baseball history. Still not going to the Hall of Fame. Angels catcher Francisco Arcia has 12 RBIs in his first three home starts. That is a record for any for any player in his first three home starts. Twelve RBIs, and that will make him a footnote in history. And that's it. It's not very good. <laughs> oh man, Scott White throwing fire today on Cologne and Arcia. Jose Abreu is the 18th player in baseball history with at least 20 home runs in each of his first five seasons. Hmm. What are you going to say negative I, I about wanna, that one? I want to. I want to say I'm surprised there's not more. I guess I am surprised there's not more. 
There you I, go. I would say that's what happens when you start your career in the middle of your prime. Uh, and CC Sabathia <laughs> is the first pitcher, 38 years or older, to strike out 12 in a game since Randy Johnson did it in 2008. I think he probably will go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's an interesting case. It's an interesting one. Yeah. It's definitely in the discussion, more so than Cologne. I think the deep league pitchers are really, really interesting, Scott, or hitters, rather. Let's start with Fran Mel Reyes. He got rid of the leg kick, the dreaded leg kick. He <laughs> changed his kick. mechanics, and he is the hottest hitter in baseball since coming back to the majors. That is two games in which he yeah. is five for six <laughs> with two home runs. Fran, Fran Mel Reyes for the Padres. Very he good. is 5%, 6% owned. I, I mean, we saw him b- before in the majors, obviously, and he showed good power then, too. He has like a 40% strikeout rate. So, uh, you know, that first stint didn't go very well. We're probably going to be quick to dismiss him now. But like, he wasn't a guy who struck out a lot in the minors. You look at his AAA numbers, got on base a ton in addition to the big power, and the strikeout rate was only like 23%, not not bad at all. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, this is the first I've heard of the eliminating the leg kick, but if it if it uh, helps him help. put the bat on the ball more, I mean, it could be it could be huge. I, I still think there's a lot of potential here. All right, Framo Reyes, six percent owned. Less enthused about this guy, Devin Travis, but he is eight for twenty-two with two home runs in August. Devin Travis is five percent owned. Yeah, I'm less enthused about him too, though now there's going to be less playing time concerns with Drury going on the DL. I need to see a lot more though. Cincinnati outfielder Philip Irvin is batting 309 with two home runs in 36 games. Both of those home runs came in his last five games. Philip Irvin is 3% owned, 309 batting average, 379 on base, very little power. Yeah. He's a former high draft pick whose minor league career got off to a very good start, but the later years haven't been so impressive. And, I mean, I can't really point to any one thing he does well. I I think, first of all, we need to see him play every day. And second of all, we need to see him play well. Chicago Cubs third baseman David Bodie. Two for three with a triple, three runs, uh, three RBIs, a run scored, and a walk yesterday. He's batting three forty four. Uh, he's got three steals and six attempts in 30 games. He has two home runs. But uh, David Bodie, is he something? He would be if he played more often. Well, I shouldn't say it even that. I, I don't know that he would be. Obviously, the numbers look good, but he started three of the team's past eight games. So that really? kind of eliminates him right off the bat. And that's with Bryant on the DL. So when Bryant comes back, Bodie might get sent down. And then Tyler White was the other guy I was going to talk about. Uh, Tyler White and, and Fran Mel Reyes, both 6% or, or owned or less, 1, 1% owned for White. Are they the two most exciting here? Yes, they are. And I would definitely take Reyes over White as much as I like White. There's clear a clearer path to playing time for Reyes. So, yeah, he'd be the one I'd take. Do you have any interest in pitchers Adalberto Mejia or Brad Keller? Keller's kind of interesting because he's an extreme ground ball guy, and we've seen a couple of pretty good strikeout starts from him recently. The season rate is still really low, but uh, I, I 
when I see his name in the box score, I take a close look at what he's done. I haven't added him anywhere yet, but he's kind of interesting. All right, Scott, and uh, let me do a hey real quick with you, buddy. Hey, real quick, Daniel Murphy or Jerickson Profar? I think Murphy. Yeah, he's really come around lately. Has Which, he I mean, Profar's, Profar's fine. I have no. Like I think I talked about him at the midway point, how he could be a second half breakout because the BABIP is so low, in a way that's not, uh, that's not easy to explain with the bat of ball tendencies, and that's still true. He's been productive in spite of that, but Daniel Murphy looks like he's back to being a stud. Uh, but I forgot a news item, by the way, that I'll get to in a second. All right, so let me let me just uh, kind of give you my concern with Murphy. Last eleven games, he's batting three sixty one. With two home runs. Both of those home runs came in a 25-4 win against the New York Mets. Hmm. Everybody homered that day, Scott. So yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know, it's not necessarily a negative, but it's interesting. Um, he didn't homer off Jose Reyes, though. They were legit pitchers. They were. I think it was the same pitcher, actually. Yeah, I know how legit that pitcher was. I don't know, but he was an actual pitcher. <laughs> Somebody whose name I didn't recognize. I remember that much. Uh, but no, I like the fact that he's struck out only less than 10% of the time has a really high, high line drive rate. I'm not going to nitpick. He, he's been hitting well lately. Robert Stevenson. This is the note I forgot to get to. The Reds are calling him up to start today. Robert Stevenson is going to face the Mets. Any interest in him? I uh, haven't seen the minor league numbers, but until he gets those walks down, not a ton of interest. I, he did finish last season on yeah. kind of a nice run, though, that had me flirting with the idea of calling him a sleeper this preseason. Yeah, the walks were still high at AAA. Eh. Quite high. 57 walks and 113 innings for Stevenson. Good numbers outside of that, but uh all right. Just wanted to throw that out there. So it looks like there's a lot of uh, a lot of waiver wiring going on. There's a a new closer. There's going to be a new closer in Washington now. Is it going to be Ryan Madsen? I would assume so. Okay. Yeah, Herrera's getting it. Has he been put on the DR, uh, M- DL yet? He's getting an MRI on the shoulder. Last I saw. Has he been put on the DL? I don't know, but it seems like that's going to happen. But so. Yep. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. I, that got removed from my notes. Again, I apologize for that. Paternity. Well, I, the yup, by the way, wasn't me confirming he was on the DL. Just agreeing that he looks like he's going to be out for a while. All right. So Ryan Matz, in fact, just I was looking at that league. I was trying to uh, pick up Tyler Glass now. He was already added. Ryan Matson was also added in one of my leagues. It makes some sense. We're going to get to a lot. We're going to get to a couple of outfielders that are going in opposite directions. More hitters who are widely available that you can consider adding. And a lot of pitching from yesterday's games. Uh, Madison Bumgarner and Dallas Keuchel went head-to-head. They both pitched well. Sean Newcomb had another good start. Is Andrew Heaney perhaps hitting a wall? we got to take a look at the innings uh, that he's putting up and the decrease in strikeouts. Uh, those types of things. And like I said, a lot of your emails later. But you know we love to save you money on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. And we're going to help you out on lightstream.com. Lightstream.com, I've been to the website, it's a very interesting website, could be very helpful for a lot of people. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com, and the special URL for our listeners to get even more of a discount is lightstream.com slash strike. 
So if you are thinking about saving money this summer, why not start by paying less interest on your credit card balances? You can refinance with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. This is an easy way to save hundreds to thousands of dollars and lower your interest rate. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.89% APR with auto pay. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 18% APR. And as, uh, as we mentioned, already you're getting a good discount from Lightstream, but if you go to lightstream.com slash strike, you'll get an additional interest rate discount on top of their already low rates. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great interest rate and no fees. So go to lightstream.com slash strike. This is subject to credit approval. Rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for more information. All right, it's got two outfielders on opposite paths. Are we just catching them, one in a hot streak, one in a cold streak? Or are we seeing, uh, you know, season-long trends? Chris Davis has homered in three straight games. This is the A's Chris Davis. He is the number eight outfielder in points, number six in Roto. That would be his highest finish. He's been more like top 13 to 15 the last two years. Chris Davis, uh, since the All-Star break, is batting 290 with a 797 slugging percentage and about a 1150 OPS. So Chris Davis is going up. Justin Upton, he homered yesterday, but he just looks like he's kind of down. He's got a 790 OPS. He's having a very similar season, Justin Upton, to what he did in 2015 and 16. And right now it looks like 2017, a 901 OPS is the outlier. Upton's also... A ground ball hitter this year. Way up in the ground ball rate. So, you know, these guys are valued pretty similarly. Chris Davis and Justin Upton. And Davis is having a much better year. Maybe we're just catching him at the right time. Maybe Upton just the wrong time. But he Upton's been down for, for a while now. What do you think about these two? Yeah, I think, I think they're both pretty streaky. And so... You know, it's it's unfair to assess one at his hottest, one at his coldest. I do prefer Chris Davis to Upton, but it's you know it's a marginal difference. Um, Upton, let's see, let me look at the ground balls because that would be something I haven't noticed yet. It's oh, you don't trust me, Scott? No, no, I just <laughs> I wanted to see exactly what the difference was. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty extreme. It's yeah, it's it's def this well. He did have, back in his Diamondbacks days, he did have years where his fly ball rate was this low. It's not like, you know, Eric Hosmer low. You know, it's not like, how does this guy hit for power low? But it's, 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 it's worth noting. Um, still making a lot of hard contacts. A lot, yeah. So Scott, I have this Babbitt beautiful. similar to his career line. I, I think he's still okay. I had this still beautiful narrative on Justin Upton and he destroyed okay. it yesterday. And it was, or last year, he destroyed it last year. It was Upton's still a streaky guy, but he's just not as good anymore. So at the end of the day, <laughs> like you're gonna get your hot streaks and your cold streaks, but at the end of the day, you're just not gonna get great production. Last year, Upton goes out and, and was a top six outfielder. And he had 15 steals. He's not gonna get that this year unless he goes on a nice, uh, run, so to speak, at the end of the year. So I just look at OPS last four seasons, 790, 775, 901, and now again, 790. I feel like last year was the outlier. Uh, he's going to get hot again. I, last year is the outlier, but 
I wouldn't be benching Justin Upton or uh I wouldn't I wouldn't take a you know low ball offer for him. We the numbers are always there at the end. Last year, yes, that was that was kind of an outlier. He was he was in my preseason bust column, I think, for that reason. But he's always starting caliber. The numbers always show he is at season's end. Would you rather have Gregory Polanco or Justin Upton? Upton. Max Muncie or Upton? Uh, Muncie. Oh. Yeah, Max Muncie. All right, let's read a couple more emails. Email, email of the day number two is from Tim. I'm in second place in a roto league. For years, I've been trying to get my commissioner to change to a head-to-head league. It's my belief that more teams would stay interested for a longer period of time. It seems There's that, no doubt about that. Yeah, I don't even have to read the no rest. Doubt. You are 100% right about that, Tim. Yep. I mean, I can just say for myself, you know, I still make moves. I dutifully make moves in all my leagues till the end of the season. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not paying much attention to the Roto Leagues where I'm, you know, in, in fifth or sixth place at this point. Like, I'll, I'll make my moves when the time comes to make them, but I don't really look at it beyond that. And, you know, if people probably aren't doing making those moves as dutifully as I am. So if I'm losing interest at this point, right. At, in fifth or sixth place, I mean, a fifth or sixth place in a head-to-head league, that guy's going to be very interested still because he's right on he's the He's in the playoffs, of- sure, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I do know that, uh, by the way, Scott, we, um, we keep our, we keep, we're gonna keep our run going in the scam league. We're off to a good start. But I know some, some leagues have roto leagues where they have, you know, like roto for the first 20 weeks or something like that, and then playoffs. It's kind of a hybrid. You could do that, but yes, playoffs are more fun. Get people engaged. Email of the day number three, which may or may not be true, from Blake in Santa Barbara. All right, let me let me give you a peek at my thought process here. We get this great email, really interesting from Blake. I have no way of verifying it. If it's not true, we're talking about a baseball player and something that that never happened. But it's nothing bad. I did a little bit of googling. I think there's a good chance it's true. I'm oh, ru- I'm running with it, Scott. All right. Okay. This this. Uh, okay. I don't know that I trust your judgment on these things. Here, here's we'll Blake. See. Here's Blake in Santa Barbara. I used to do radio play-by-play for a collegiate summer ball team, the Santa Barbara Foresters. Jeff McNeil of the Mets was on the team as a skinny, goofy, bumbling 17-year-old kid that could have easily been confused for the Bat Boy. On road trips, we had a lot of laughs picking on him. He put up with it. He didn't even play baseball his last two years in high school because he was a scratch golfer, and they needed him on the links. Anyway, one day I'm interviewing our hitting coach, the late former Cub Gary Woods, and when I ask about McNeil, he says, quote, someday you're going to be telling people you knew Jeff McNeil, end quote. We had a ton of D1 players and some future MLB players on those squads, but that was the only time Woods ever said that about somebody. Woody was right. Baseball is awesome. Little Jeff McNeil is going to get me some points before this season is over. Hmm. And I did. I googled Blake from Santa Barbara. His his full name. He was with the Santa Barbara Foresters. Jeff McNeil is from Santa Barbara. I could see yeah. this being true. I I was fine I, running with it. That's that's yeah. That seems believable to me. Cool story, right? Yeah, definitely. Like All right, back to baseball. Four up. 
Tell me if you want to add these hitters. They're not quite as uh, unowned as the Framil Reyes group, but they're pretty available. Ryan Zimmerman. And maybe at the very least you want to get him to start against lefties in a daily league because he crushed them last year with a 654 slugging, and he's crushing them again this year. Ryan Zimmerman. Nick Williams, 32% owned. Jackie Bradley Jr., 31% owned. He's been solid lately. About an 870-ish OPS in his last 33 games, Jackie Bradley. Emmanuel Margot, improved plate discipline this year. Um, good game yesterday. Hasn't really put it together, but he's, you know, he's been okay. Ryan Zimmerman, Nick Williams, Jackie Bradley Jr., Manuel Margot. Scott, anybody there that you think is under-owned? No, not really. I feel like Zimmerman should be, like, because of the lefty-righty thing and splitting time with Matt Adams, he probably shouldn't be the most owned of this group, but I don't know that anybody needs, any of them need to be like 50% owned. They're, they just have too big of a hurdle to clear. But yeah, I mean Zimmerman. The, the numbers against lefties really did catch my eye. I mean daily leagues, like did maybe daily league scenario. That's fine. Uh, I am kind of surprised Nick Williams is up to 16 home runs. That's why I slow down my take there. I mean part of the problem for him is he doesn't walk much. But even that's better than than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean Nick Williams may be entering the mixed league discussion. Definitely in five outfielder leagues. All righty. So Zimmerman, Nick Williams, then we're not so interested in Bradley or Margot. So we got some pictures from yesterday to talk about. We got the good rotation and the bad rotation. The good rotation, Dallas Keuchel, Madison Bumgarner, and Sean Newcomb. Still would like to see more ground balls from Keuchel in his last seven starts of 197 ERA. It's hard to argue that. But 30 strikeouts and 45 and two-thirds and not exactly his classic ground ball rate. Yeah, that's weird. I know. He's, the results are there. I don't know. It's like a third of what his ground ball to fly ball ratio normally is. That's, I mean, that's a third or two thirds. No, it's it's like it. You you put here one point two five ground ball to fly ball during that stretch, right? Yeah. So that's normally he's over three. Baseball Reference. He wouldn't be over three on Baseball Reference. Oh, okay. They They may calculate it differently. Yeah, they do. Fan graphs. I think they include line drives or something like that. But I, I, but it would be higher than that on baseball reference. You know what I'll do? I'll, why don't you talk about Bumgarner? We'll come back to Keiko. Bumgarner with a, <laughs> with a good start, seven scoreless against the Astros, seven strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. Honestly, a good matchup. No Gaddis, no Altuve, no Springer. In my opinion, a good matchup, but whatever. Um, he's got 30 walks. He's got 3.7 walks per nine. It's a new issue now we're talking about with, with Madison Bumgarner. Uh, is that concerning, the 1.25 whip and the 3.7 walks per nine? Yeah. I mean, walks up, strikeouts down. Like you said, this is a pretty good matchup. Derek, Derek Rodriguez shut the Astros down the day before. So I'm not, I'm not looking at this result and breathing a sigh of relief for Madison Bumgarner. I mean, he's not, it, it's not like a problem you starting him or anything. I don't think there's impending disaster here, but, I don't see him getting back to the Madison Bumgarner we'd come to expect before last year's shoulder injury. All right, back to Keuchel. 1.25 ground ball to fly ball ratio on baseball reference in his last seven starts. During that time, a 197 ERA, 30 strikeouts and 45 and two-thirds. That's very low. Last year, so 1.25 ground ball to fly ball ratio. Last year, a great year for Keuchel, it was 2.12. 
Okay. So yeah, definitely a different calculation there than I'm used to seeing. Yeah. So I overstated how far down the ground, how, how much the ground ball rate has dropped. But it's uh, a lot still. But, I mean, it's a lot. But yeah, I mean, it's, he, he's gone from the outlier ground ball pitcher to just another good ground ball pitcher. And it's a little concerning. I mean, the results have been so good lately that, um, you know, he's still pretty close to must start. But I don't think he's on the verge of breaking, of, of making his way back into the top 20, which is what we drafted him to be. Are you looking to sell Keiko or Bumgarner or just hold? I mean, the problem is pitchers who who go seven innings as reliably as they do are so scarce. And then to do it with their track records, like I, I don't think the bottom's just going to drop out for either. It's not, uh, it's not what I've been warning all season about Jake Arrieta, and really that isn't, hasn't happened for Arrieta even. So you need to – like. Unless you're just loaded at starting pitcher, I wouldn't feel confident trading them without getting a pitcher in return and who's trading a better pitcher for either of these guys. Like maybe a, a situation where you pair Keichel with uh, a pretty good outfielder for, you know, Blake Snell who's just back from the DL or Charlie Morton or somebody like that. But uh, I, right. I don't think there's a lot of – I don't think you're going to have a lot of success, quote unquote, selling high on either of these two. What do you think about Sean Newcomb, last guy in the good rotation? Newcomb had six innings of one-run ball and six strikeouts at Washington. And his previous two starts, uh, 14 and two-thirds, two runs, one of them a near no-hitter. Two uh, two starts in a row with a low walk total. What do you make of Sean Newcomb, who will be against the uh, facing the Brewers this weekend? Uh, I, I mean... <laughs> Maybe we were a little uh, – maybe reports of his demise were exaggerated. I don't know about greatly exaggerated, but this is two encouraging starts where the he's kind of veered away from some of the trends that had us concerned. Okay. So uh, you're going to start Newcomb against the Brewers? Not necessarily, but I don't think it's a bad idea. And the bad rotation. Start. The bad rotation. Andrew Heaney, five earned runs in five innings against Detroit in his last four starts. Uh, 13 earned runs in 25 innings. Only, you know, only one like really bad start. It was yesterday, but 20 strikeouts in 25 innings. And, uh, he threw, Andrew Heaney threw about 50 innings last year between the majors and the minors. He is up to 127 and a third. Are you concerned about Heaney right now? He's at two starts next week at San Diego and at Texas. I think the innings will become a concern at some point. And I guess it's not crazy to think they could be a concern now, given how little he's pitched the last couple years because of injuries. His career high in innings is, uh, well, it's higher than I thought. It was, it was, he was over 160 back in 2014. Uh, and you know what? He was over, okay, he was close, it was over 180 in 2015. So, it's just a couple years since he's uh, been what we think of as a full-time pitcher at the major league level. I don't know that we can deduce a lot from the strikeout rates because you look at his game log. In June, he had a, he had a complete game with four strikeouts. He had a seven-inning start with four strikeouts. 
in May. He had a six-inning start with two strikeouts, a uh, five-inning start with three strikeouts. He just The strikeouts have been up and down for him all season long. I think the fact this is his first terrible start, and, you know, five earned runs in five innings, you could argue that's not even so bad. Yeah, pretty bad uh, against the Tigers. Yeah, I guess I'll call it terrible. makes it worse. <laughs> we'll call it terrible. His first terrible start in seven starts. I know last start was four and runs in six innings, but, you know, yeah, that's not so bad. All right. Uh, and then the five before that were all quality starts, a couple with ten strikeouts. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about things going wrong for Heaney yet. All right, more on the bad rotation. Rich Hill had kind of a bad start. I'm going to sit him at Colorado this weekend. Uh, Chase Anderson was terrible. Previous eight starts was great, though. 208 ERA and about a strikeout per inning. Shaw Manaya, two and two-thirds, three runs, uh, three walks, and a strikeout. So, yeah, I've been waiting for something <laughs> like that from Manaya. That was against the Dodgers. Yeah, but not like three walks and two and two-thirds innings. That's not what we were expecting to go wrong, you know? That's true. I was just waiting for a bad <laughs> start. <laughs> Uh, right. And then Zach Greinke, his last three starts, he has just 15 strikeouts in 20 innings, and he has faced three teams that strike out a lot. The Padres, the Giants, and the Phillies, all of them are top eight in strikeouts per game. Two of them, I think, are top five. So, um, you know, I don't know if there are any Greinke concerns, but Rich Hill, Chase Anderson, Sean I, Zach Greinke, anything other than just a bad start from these guys? Like I said, I mean, Sean he did give up five hits in two and two-thirds innings, but I think there's... Still a lot of BABIP correction to come. More bad starts to come for Manaya. Yeah. I've been saying that all season, but I'm going to stick with it. The others, I think, are fine. I mean, we know what Rich Hill's issues are. Chase Anderson, there's been some modest enthusiasm for him on this podcast lately. The strikeouts really haven't been that good lately. The velocity's not what it was last year still. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's a middling option to be. And obviously middling options have starts like this sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to start Chase Anderson against the Padres, but if I had known about the Fran Mill Reyes leg kick thing, I wouldn't have even <laughs> considered it. That would have stopped you. <laughs> I know Granky's number, kick. number one on this list. Who's number two? Heaney, Hill, Anderson, or Manaya? Heaney. See, yeah, I think I'd go Hill. But you don't like Rich Hill. He hurt your feelings. Rich Hill. Somewhere. I just don't expect him to last. Yeah, it's a fair point. He never does. Fair point, but at this point, I, I don't, I don't see Heaney pitching the rest of the season. You know, I think they shut him down at some point. Like you said, the innings could become an issue eventually. Eventually, he's still only at 127 right now. I, yeah, I mean, maybe after five more starts, we'll, I'll start to worry about innings. Okay. Uh, would you drop anybody in that group? Not Granky, obviously, not Heaney. Rich Hill, Chase Anderson, or Sean Manaya, would you drop them for, for Tyler Glass now? I would drop Anderson, I think. He's 91% owned. So that's, yeah, that's the one guy I would drop. Alrighty. Fringy starting pitchers, CeCe Sabathia, Marcus Stroman, Nick Pavetta, Ronaldo Lopez, Mike Montgomery, Sabathia, Stroman, Pavetta, Lopez, Montgomery. Who do you want? Definitely Pavetta. Pavetta should be more owned than Chase Anderson. And I, I think I rank him ahead of Rich Hill, too. Uh, second start in a row. Really good start. His... 
11.1 strikeouts per nine innings on the season now versus 2.5 walks per nine. That is a terrific ratio. It's no surprise he has a 347 FIP on the season considering. And even some of the bad starts, uh, obviously that preceded these, these last two, which were great. So many swinging strikes. He looks like he's really good and has had bad, 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 um, bad ERA luck. And well, he's hittable though, right? He has been. Nick Pavetta. Yeah, but is that, I, I guess I was right saying bad, bad, bit luck. That, you know, it's funny you said, cause I had this conversation, I think, with, with Ethan Chris. Um, maybe you were on the show, actually, I don't remember. We, we look at a guy who gives up a lot of hits sometimes and we just say, oh, bad, babic luck, bad, babic, babic luck. But maybe he's just, maybe he's just hittable, you know? Maybe, but I would expect the hard contact rate to be higher, the soft contact rate to be lower, and the line drive rate to be higher than it is for Nick Pavetta. All right. That's a good point. He's fine in all those areas. And, uh, Stroman, I also, I think we're pretty interested in, much more so in points leagues. But, you know, he had his terrible start last time out against the A's. He gave up seven runs in five innings, and we pointed out it was almost all singles. So, uh, good start for him, and he'll get Tampa Bay this weekend if he makes his next start, Marcus Stroman. In the bullpen, Hector Rondon got a save. Roberto Ozuna did not pitch. Rondon has a save in two straight games. What do you make of it? I'd be reluctant to drop Hector Rondon. I still think it's going to be Ozuna eventually, and they're just easing him in. But I I can't guarantee it. And I, I think with every save Rondon converts, it makes it harder for A.J. Hinch to pull the plug. Now, it seems like the Blue Jays were saving Ken Giles for a save situation, but Ryan Sapera <laughs> crapped all over that plan in the eighth inning. But then I, Giles came in and gave up five runs in two-thirds of an inning in extras and gave up two home runs. Uh, I, I, I thought know. of you last night when I saw this this line for Ken Giles because, again, not a, a save situation. situation. Yep. He's still scoreless in save situations, but anytime <laughs> he's in a non-save situation, forget it. Ken Giles is the worst. That oh. might be the stat of the year, frankly. That this guy who can't down hold down the closer role. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. Has been untouched in the closer role. Yeah, it's true. I I don't know though. You know, it, in in practicality, it's still a terrible outing for him. It, it it does seem like he's you know kind of going through a minefield here and has just missed all the landmines. But uh, but it's still amazing. It's an amazing stat. Do you see a reason to own Ken Giles outside of like really deep leagues? I I mean I assume he's still technically in the front runner for saves. They're still the Blue Jays closer. So so yeah. I mean I'd rather not start him. He's not uh he's not a number one or number two reliever for me. But but you know anybody who who's in that role has value. Yeah, I guess. It's just, yeah, yes, anybody in that role has value. Uh, all right, Scott, let's read some emails. I got eight emails. I'm giving you four minutes to do it. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. This is from George. Uh, you are on the clock right now. George says 12-team head-to-head categories. Would you, who would you rather have rest of season? Uh, OPS is a category, by the way. Carlos Santana, Matt Olson, Jake Bowers, or C.J. Crone? Carlos Santana, Matt Olson, Jake Bowers, or C.J. Crone? It's definitely one of the first two. Uh, I think with OPS, nah, you know what? I think it's Olsen in this format. All right, this is from Scott. 
Dear Inky, Pinky, Blinky, and Clyde. Are those the ghosts in Pac-Man? I want to oh. say they're the ghosts in Pac-Man. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Who would you rather own rest of season? Rondone and Ozuna or Strope and Morrow? I would rather own... Strope and Morrow for me. Because one of them yeah, is just gonna because... be the guy, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like there's more predictability there. From Andrew, grade the trade. Give up Scooter Jeanette. Get Lorenzo Kane in a points league. I don't know if Scooter Jeanette's shoulders bothering him again. He did have three hits yesterday, which is encouraging. They were all singles. Uh, he's, he's been terrible since the all-star break. And he's kind of contended with the shoulder issue all year. I think it's, I, I want to say it's an even swap, but I, like, because, because I'm factoring in that shoulder injury, it's an even swap. See. Otherwise, you prefer Jeanette? I definitely. All right, Matt from Connecticut. Dear Greg, Harold, and Dan. Greg, Harold, and Dan. That feels easy. Like, we should get that. Greg, Harold, and Dan. <laughs> it feels like we should get it. It does feel that way. Oh, I, I think they're uh, MLB Network. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm content with that. So, have you seen the new Dick Sporting Goods commercial? They used the Welcome Back Cotter song, but only for the Welcome Back lyric, before switching to some New Age song with the adv- advertisement. It's false advertising because I get geared up to hear 15 <laughs> seconds of the song, but I get nothing. Thanks for always giving a satisfying amount of Welcome Back Cotter. Ah, I don't think that's how false advertising works, but <laughs> fair enough. I'm glad we do a better job than Dick Sporting Goods of meeting that need for you, Matt. All right, next email is from Jay in Boston. Odor or Muncie, rest of season in a points league? Muncie. I'm going to stay the course on Muncie. He has sat a couple times since they brought Dozier on board. Dozier himself has sat once, so, you know, it's it's still too it's too low of a number of games to really know how this is going to play out. I imagine the fact that Muncie's slumping contributes to how much he sits, but... At his best, he's he still seems like he could be a top 20 hitter. And have we reached our four-minute mark yet? Not yet. This is from No Name. Dear Sean, Sarah, and Anthony. Apparently they're from the Swamp. The Swamp. Who is the best outfielder rest of season in a points league? Cole Calhoun, Matt Kemp, or Max Kepler? Cole Calhoun. Ooh, all right. From yep. Vince. Max Muncy is the exact type of hitter that can be adversely affected by the home run derby. A guy that has to alter his swing for it. Did he have to alter his swing for it? I don't know. I mean, this is Vince. I trust Vince, (laughs) don't you? Could have verified this one too, Adam. I I have no idea if he altered his swing. But I'm gonna use it. I didn't hear anything along those lines. I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna say home run derby jinx, Max Muncy. You're the worst. Uh, well, I mean, it is interesting. Sometimes it does affect players. That is real, but that is real. But sometimes, most of the time, it doesn't. Uh, and, yeah, Nate man. Harper. Harper's back because of the yep. home run derby. Because of the derby, yep. From Ryan, grade the trade. Give up Carpenter. Get Granky and Rendon. Oh, my goodness. That is that is a way to capitalize on Carpenter hype right now. Holy cow. 
I know, but Carpenter's uh, like That's really... a great deal. I would rather have Granky for Carpenter straight up. The fact you're getting another must-start third baseman in addition, this is a solid A. Are you sure you'd rather have Granky than Carpenter straight up? I am sure I'd rather have Granky than Carpenter. All right, I think that took about four and a half minutes. I will allow it, Scott White. We're going to take a look now to finish the show. At today's matchups, Wednesday, which means we got a lot of day games typically. Um, and yeah, we do. Here we go. Robert Stevenson is at Jacob DeGrom. Start DeGrom, not Stevenson. DeGrom's getting a win today. Marco Gonzalez at Giovanni Gallardo. I'll start Gonzalez. Chris Archer at Herman Marquez. Oh man. I just picked up Marquez oh, last man. night. In a daily league. I don't oh, know if man. I have the stones to start him. I mean, do you have the stones to start Archer? No, definitely not. Okay. I I, I worry I, about Archer and Camden Yards. I'm not going to start him at Coors <laughs> Field. Yeah, I lean both on – I lean no on both of these two, but they are I, – I wouldn't – I'd do it with some hesitation. I'd bench them with some hesitation for sure. Vince Velasquez is at Patrick Corbin. Start both. Blaine Hardy is at Jaime Berea. Start either. I just clicked a link that I didn't mean to click, and I have been taken off the scoreboard page. I'm back. Everybody, I'm back. Fulton Nevich at Tommy Malone. <laughs> Start Fulty. Brian Johnson at a Blue Jays pitcher that I've never heard of before. Mike Housechild. <laughs> I'm going to go with neither. Twins at Indians. Odorizzi's at Clevenger. I'd only start Clevenger. Kashner at Faria. Oh, Faria is making a start again. Good. His first appearance was in relief, you may remember. I do. I'm not going to start him. You may remember him from such relief appearances at, as last week against the Angels. John Gant. <laughs> hey, you, Troy McClure. John Gant is at Trevor Richards. Uh, neither. Uh, we've got Yolisha Seen hosting Brett Kennedy. Oh, Brett Kennedy. They're actually somewhat excited about him. The Padres. Hmm. Are they? Yeah. I'd start Chassin with that matchup. I'm, yeah, I will start Chassin. Kennedy, keep an eye on him. Uh, Luis Severino at Lucas Giolito. Oh man. I would, uh, the matchup, you, you gotta go with Severino. I'd, any other matchup, I don't, I think I'd sit him, but that matchup's too good. Jose Quintana at Heath Philmeyer. I will start Quintana against the Royals, sure. Kershaw at Fires. Just Kershaw. I'm not, nah, I don't want to do Fires. First start with the A's, and he wasn't terrible with the Tigers, but I'd rather not. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the Wednesday show. Thank you for humping with us. Yeah, I know. I knew it, I knew it when I said it. I did, I did it on purpose. <sighs> deal with it. You did it on purpose. I did it on okay. purpose. Deal with it, everybody. All right, you, yeah, you deal with that. <laughs> you know, pretty soon I want to talk about Scott White's top two rounds for next year. We're supposed to talk about that like three weeks ago, but I haven't <laughs> forgotten. I haven't I'm forgotten. sure it's completely different. We'll get to it. Stanton's going to be back in there. That's my prediction. All right. We'll talk to you all uh, on Thursday. Have a great day, everybody.